today's Leading Women episode 656 with the wonderful Kim Shamsuddin. Women all over the world, get ready for inspiring and empowering interviews from women at the top of their field who are kicking butt in their business and who are prepared to share shocking revelations from being in the limelight. You are now listening to Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg. Podcast your passion. Yes. Did you know you can podcast your passion, make a difference and make money talking about what you love talking about? That's how I get to do what I'm doing. Talking to wonderful women every day here at Today's Leading Women. Want to learn how I did? Go to podcastyourpassion.com. That's www.podcastyourpassion.com. Yes, women of the world, let's get started. I am delighted to introduce you our amazing guest for today, Kim Shamsuddin. Kim Shamsuddin is the founder and creative director of Al Shams Exceptional Islamic Apparel. Frustrated by the limited choices for luxury Islamic clothing in the United States, Kim set out to create beautiful dresses that are both aesthetically appealing and adhere to tradition. In 2014, she introduced Al Shams featuring the exclusive signature slim trim cuff. Inspired by her global travels to Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and the Caribbean, Kim's design aesthetic embodies sumptuous textiles, rich hues, and a blend of textural elements. It is these core elements that define and shape the hallmark of the Al Shams brand, sophistication, luxury, and timeless elegance. Muslimas love the beauty of the drape and flow of a well-crafted abaya, and our dresses are for the Muslima, who loves to cover elegantly and beautifully, says Kim. Born and raised in New York City, Kim currently resides in New Jersey with her husband, Abdul Alim, and her frisky kitty, Lil Mama. A Wall Street attorney, a U.S. Army veteran, and former undercover NYPD officer, Kim enjoys working out, healthy eating, listening to Dawa lectures, and spending time with family. To learn more, visit www.shamswear.com. Again, that's www.shamswear.com. We of the world, Miss Kim Shamsidin. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Marie. Thank you for having me. I am delighted to have you on the show, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So, Kim, I really love what you are doing with the business, especially with Shams Wear and the niche you've carved out. I love that you have this one out there. And, you know, I mean, you're, this business you have created, you know, you have a success in right. You put in the effort and the equity, the knowledge, the experience to build a special business you call it on. As a result of that, our listeners really want to get to know you and I want to provide that conduit, you know, that bridge between you and our listeners. So here are some cool questions that we can talk about. Feel free to comment any time about them, but these are just general questions I have in mind. So let's start with the business. You know, there might be people out there who want to start one and have no clue how to go about it. Can you tell us more about your business and the idea behind that niche? 
Sure. So my business, as uh, Marie mentioned, is Al Shams Exceptional Islamic Apparel. And Al Shams is a luxury apparel clothing company for Muslim women. And our target is Muslim women who are sophisticated, who are elegant, who embrace their uh, status as a Muslim woman, who are not trying to... Um, uh, conform their style or their clothing to um, pop culture. They're very confident in who they are and they want to embrace that, but they also want to look beautiful just as any any woman wants to look. And so our company is focused on providing clothing for that population. Um, the idea behind the business came about um, as a result of my own frustration, as Marie mentioned. I'm an attorney. Um, I work on Wall Street. Um, I am a Muslim woman and I do wear Muslim apparel. And it's very difficult to find quality Islamic apparel. We do have a number of um, local shops and, and some home providers, and they're all really great. But there's also a need for, you know, some highly elegant, highly designed uh, apparel for Muslim women. And I thought I'd create a company that would fill that niche. So I started drafting some sketches and I started working with some manufacturers and it took about a year and a half for me to actually launch the company. Um, and it was a very painstaking process um, throughout, but ultimately I was able to bring the product to market um, in December of 2014. And we quickly ramped up with clients across the globe and clients domestically. Um, and it's been a whirlwind, I have to say, but it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. Mm, what a beautiful story that you shared that one with us. And that has been really a theme here at Today's Women because more often that idea sprang from our own experience. So for example, with Kim, she was frustrated with not finding that apparel, uh, right clothing that she wants. And now she's not only providing that for herself, but other women as well. And really important to note here because she really niched down to really serving this uh, women uh, with these traditional dresses, beautiful dresses that uh, embraces sophistication, luxury, elegance, because this is what these women that she's serving uh, are attracted to. That is a great lesson here for our listeners to really niche down, really find what what solution, what problem you want to provide a solution with, because that is where a great idea usually sprangs about. So great that you share that one with us. But let's talk about some of the personal qualities that you have to help you become a successful entrepreneur. Can you share at least your top three personal qualities that help you become a successful entrepreneur that our listeners can learn from? <laughs> That's interesting. Um, well, I would have to start with um, self-motivation. So I think from very young, I've been self-motivated. And I think that's a characteristic that carries over very well into entrepreneurship. Um, I'm very driven. I'm very self-motivated. So I don't, by that, I mean, I don't rely on other people to give me the motivation that I need. If there's something that I need or something that I want to do, I have the drive um, and the energy to do it. And I've always been that, like that since I was very young. I, you know, I've always done things on my own. I've always stepped out and, and taken a risk and that's what entrepreneurship is all about it's about taking risk and you have to have a tolerance for risk and you have to have an appetite for risk but with risk there is reward um, so that's the wonderful side of it so I would definitely say self-discipline um, also um, discipline well self-motivation and discipline so um, I'm a person who is fairly organized um, I'm very disciplined um, I can be a little bit rigid in certain ways but that carries over very well as an entrepreneur especially when it comes to financials you have to be um, ever so vigilant about um, how you're spending your money um, how you're projecting your 
and forecasting your your profits and your and your expenditures and your budget. Um, so that carries over very well. And then also being a people person, you know, when you're selling products to people and you're out there in the market, aside from producing beautiful clothing, you have to be able to engage with people. And I've always been a people person. I've always been the kind of person that can engage with anybody, whether the person's you know the most senior um, executive at a company to the person who's you know selling hot dogs on the street. I can carry on a conversation, and I think that's largely in part um, because I've you know I'm well traveled. You know I've been in a lot of different situations, had an extensive work history where I've worked in a number of different environments, and so I'm easily adaptable. And that's something that is really critical to being an entrepreneur. You have to be adaptable, and I think those are probably my three core strengths and, and, and traits. All right, so that's self-motivation, self-discipline, and being a people person. Great personal qualities here that Kim just shared with us. And the good news is that we can all cultivate and adapt them into our lives, into our business as well. All right, let's talk about some of the challenges that you face as an entrepreneur because as entrepreneurs, we face daily challenges that define our being. And to get to those challenges, it takes a very special person. And our audience wants to know that special person you. So what have been your biggest challenges building your business? And how have you addressed or overcame those barriers to success that a lot of women entrepreneurs face today? Well, one of the biggest barriers for me has been balancing um, my full-time job with my business. So I started my business when I, you know, I'm still working full-time while running my business. And I started the business and started building the business as a full-time employee. Um, and I'm still a full-time attorney. So that is the biggest challenge. I think the challenge there is essentially time. So having the time to devote to cultivating, developing, and building the business and, and having a strategy and, and forecasting ability that people who have um, a full-time commitment to their businesses have the luxury of doing. So I have to be extremely disciplined about my time and be very, very careful about how I allocate my resources in terms of my time because I have very limited time. Typically when I get home, it's about 7, 7.30 p.m. And that's when I begin to work on my business. So I'm filling orders, I'm posting to social media, I'm you know connecting with influencers, I'm trying to do everything possible to continue to grow and build the business. So so time is my biggest challenge. But the flip side of that is that I have a full time job and that affords me the opportunity to be able to um, inject funding into my business. Whereas someone who if they're running against you know some financial issues and they don't have the funding, that could be a problem for them. So there's a benefit and there's a disadvantage, I guess, in, in, in both respects. But that's been my biggest challenge is balancing my full time job and running the business at the same time. Mm-hmm. Another challenge that I um, have is working social media. Social media is a full-time job in and of itself. <laughs> and as an apparel company, um, the fashion consumer is um, very, very fickle and very hungry for new design. So you have to constantly be out there. You have to constantly be posting. You have to constantly communicate with your followers and keep them interested and, and give them fresh new ideas and clothing and styles and tips and all the things that they're looking for because that's what your competitors are doing. So that for me has been a big challenge. I've adapted significantly because I've had to, um, but that's something that I find to be very challenging, just the upkeep with the social media. It really is like a part-time job in and of itself. (laughs) 
Wow, I mean, I certainly can relate to this uh, you've just shared with us. I mean, uh, balancing a full-time job and a full-time business because I was building my business on top of my full-time job and I was grateful uh, in one way because I was able to have that cushion, the financial cushion that I needed until I got my business to a profitable one. So that was that's a, that's a big plus actually. But of course, time is the... I mean, it's the scarce part of it. You have to juggle and you have to make sure that you are being able, you're able to, to build both. You're able to make time for both. Um, social media, yes, absolutely. Especially even if you're not in the fashion industry, but more so in the fashion industry, because yes, I agree with you. Being, seeing, being, I mean, people are so visual and pe- people love to see those, those images, those pictures, especially in the fashion industry you are in. I mean, those that, that I, I find out myself too. I'm so Social media has really been really helpful, uh, actually, in in building our business, growing our business, because we are not able to not just um, reach a local audience, but international audiences as well. But of course, it is a uh, yeah, like what I said, a, 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 almost a full time job as well. I mean, social media can really suck your time, but <laughs> if you do it wisely and smartly, it really helps you build a business. You love by leveraging that, and that's the beauty of social media. That's the beauty of technology we have nowadays. Imagine those days when we don't have that capability. So it's a win win. No matter what, you're still gonna be you. Um, spending that time but you had to use it wisely so let's learn from these challenges and the lessons that came to share with us so when it do happen to us we now know what to do all right and on that note let's talk about work-life balance because this is an area that a lot of us are challenged with but the challenge really with entrepreneurs is how to click on and click off and create a work-life balance particularly if you have a family juggling money roles so in your life as an entrepreneur how do you maintain this work-life balance and what are some of the ways that you accomplish this in the areas of your health your family your relationships and your business That's a really good question. I think that question comes up so many times. Um, It's a challenge. And as you mentioned, um, it's a constant uh, juggling act. Um, My business is fairly new, so we're under a year old. We launched in December of 2014. So, of course, as a new business owner, you know, it's like my baby. I'm constantly cultivating and and nurturing and building and and, and trying to grow it because it's a new business. I don't have children, but I do have my nephew and a stepson um, that my husband has from a former marriage, and I am married. Um, So I do have family commitments. um, And I just try to keep a positive perspective because I think perspective shapes how you respond to the stress that you have from running your business and perhaps dealing with your family issues or, you know, working your full-time job. You have to have a balanced perspective and you have to understand that you're not going to be able to do everything. So, hey, if the kids are having, you know, a hockey game, you may not make every hockey game, but you can make some games because even though a business affords you a lot more autonomy over your time, you don't have complete autonomy. There are times when you have to commit to certain meetings and um, certain things that you have to be a present for. And so while you do have more flexibility than you do if you're a full-time employee, um, there are still commitments that must be made and you as the business owner have to be front and center and present to ensure 
um, that you're moving your business along and that things are being met according to your standards. So for me, I, I am a big proponent of healthy eating because a healthy body leads to a healthy mind um, oftentimes. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of working out. So that keeps me balanced. It keeps me grounded. It keeps my mind fresh. Um, it keeps my mood stable because, you know, there's well-known research that exercising and eating well makes you feel good. When you feel good, you're a better person. People like to be around you, um, even if you're not around a lot. <laughs> um, and so that is one of the things that I do to help me to balance the stress of working and, and running my business. Um, I work out five days a week. Sometimes I work out twice a day, um, which you can imagine is just impossible with trying to run a business. But it's really essential for me to stay fit and to feel good so that I'm able to commit and to give to my family and to my business. So that's one way. The other thing is engaging your family members and your friends as stakeholders. They understand that you're running a business. So, you know, engage them, get their opinion, get their advice and make them feel like they're a part of your venture so they don't feel excluded from your venture. So if you just shut everybody out I'm focused on my business, I'm focused on my business, then people are going to feel neglected. But if you include them and say, especially for me as a, as a fashion business owner, I can leverage my girlfriends or my friends or my mom and say, how do you like this color? How do you like this style? How do you like this dress? And what do you think about this handle? What do you think about this button? And my husband, he's like my go-to guy with helping with logistics stuff. So if I need him to run errands or, you know, to go to the grading shop or to the manufacturer, he's there to do that for me. And he doesn't mind because he's happy to see me doing something that um, I love and that I'm passionate about and that, you know, he knows that I really um, am committed to. So I try to find balance by having a great perspective and having working out and eating well and trying to feel good because feeling good will, will help to fuel you when you're stressed out. Mm, brilliant tips there that we can uh, apply also I mean keeping a positive perspective eating healthy you know the foundational thing eating healthy working out not just to stay fit but to feel good and to be energized and be productive because I find that one out when I do my workouts that is you know it really lays the foundation of my day because I'm more focused I feel good I feel like I'm energized and when I don't do it oh I see i I see the ramifications of it. So really important to put that one into your schedule. And I know it's can, it can be hard and it's really a discipline. But think about it. I mean, if you don't have your health, you won't be able to build this business that you're passionate about building. So really important to put those a priority to first take care of yourself by eating healthy and working out. Engaging your family. I love that. Engaging your family, your friends. Um, because, yeah, I mean, just having a support system around you really helps. Having a family, your husband, for example, is supportive. Oh, I can't. I can stress enough how thankful I am because... Um, my husband, oh, there are days that, oh, I can't really figure things out. And even just by by having somebody you can talk to, because being a solopreneur like myself, I work from home and I'm alone and I don't have entrepreneurs around me. So it can be an isolated, very isolating. It can be lonesome. So it's really important to have that support system around you. So rally behind the uh, the people that you know can support you. Great tips here. So let's take action them. Let's incorporate them in our, our lives so that we can achieve this work-life balance. All right, let's talk about success and what success means to you. Your business appears to be financially doing quite well. And with that success flows into other areas in the entrepreneur's life. 
Now, we'd like to also say that success is a mindset. I can have $10 in my pocket, but my mind feels like a millionaire. I feel great about myself and I'm moving forward. The opposite way will be a multi-billionaire and be totally miserable. So am I successful financially? Yes. Individually, probably not. So in your journey as an entrepreneur, what does success mean to you? And what are some of the benchmarks that you use to measure your success? Well, that's interesting because, you know, success is such a personal um, thing. Um, But for me, um, obviously, the financial reward that comes with running a business and, and having a profitable business is great. But for me, that's not the driving force. The driving force for me is the ability the ability to give back to others. When I have the ability to share the financial success that I've been afforded because I've been blessed um, to have that opportunity, it really makes me feel good. And there's there's a concept in Islam that's called giving dawah, which is the same as other religions, it's giving charity. When you give charity, your wealth is not diminished. So the more charity you give, the more wealth you attain. And that's the mindset that I have. The more I get, the more I want to give. Because I want, I, you know, in this country, you know, and I can't even speak for other countries that are far less affluent than the United States, but there are so many people that are not doing well. And it just pains me. I mean, I take the New York City transit system. Um, I take public transportation. And I see people who are laying on the streets, who are begging for money, mothers with children, you know, men, women, people of all ages, all colors, all races. And it just bothers me that in a country that has the degree of affluence that the United States has, that people are doing poorly. And so um, I am a big proponent of giving back. And it just makes me feel good when I'm able to give even a little bit, because a little bit to someone else is so significant. A five, 10, $20 bill to you or I might not be anything, but to somebody that means they're entire, that might be food for them for that day. So giving back is important. It's one of the fundamental um, aspects of, of as a Muslim woman and as a Muslim person that, that we do is to give back and to give doubt and, and to give charity um, because it's really, really important that, you know, you share your wealth because your wealth has been blessed. You've been blessed to get wealth. So you should share it. So that's how I define success is being able to give back. Um, that's really important to me. Mm, I love your perspective on success and yes, I agree with you. Nothing is so fulfilling and gratifying than the ability to give up, give back, you know, the feeling that you, you have in you, the joy that you feel inside of you when you're able to give back, when you're able to impact others. Oh, such a great feeling and I know and beyond what we're, we're, we're achieving, we're trying to achieve here, inherent to us is the, the desire to give back, the desire to contribute. Nothing is such so gratifying and fulfilling and that's so great that you shared that moment with us now i know you've given us a lot of tips already but i love for us to talk about one of the highlights of our show and that's your advice for other entrepreneurs and those aspiring to be especially to those who want to follow your footsteps you obviously got some lessons learned under your belt of experience so take it back to the past Say you're going to start all over again as an entrepreneur and you are in a class with other entrepreneurs who are hungry and thirsty for success or even for making that first buck. What types of special suggestions and advice and lessons that you learn would you give your fellow entrepreneurs knowing where you came from and where you headed at? And if you can boil them down to your top three tips or advice, what would those three be? 
Well, I would definitely start with uh, research. You definitely have to do research before you start your business. I think it's critically important that you understand your market, um, the sub-segments of your market, because your market is not... So for me, for instance, I, I'll use examples. My market is target is, is Muslim women. Um, but within that population, there's a sub-segment of Muslim women that I specifically target. And that's the Muslim woman who is more mature in her practice as a Muslim woman. Um, she's confident as a Muslim woman. Um, she's not trying to conform to um, pop culture. She's proud and confident in being a Muslim woman. And she has the means to buy clothing um, that is at a certain price point. So I'm not trying to target everyone. I have a very narrow focus, but you have to research and make sure that when you're identifying your target market, you hone in on the specific subsegment of your market that you want to reach because otherwise you're trying to sell to everybody and that typically doesn't work, especially in the fashion business. You have to be laser focused on who you're trying to reach. The second point I would say is definitely know your numbers. Um, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And I stole that from Marcus Limonis, <laughs> um, who is, um, you know, he runs the show, The Profit. And it's, it's really true because if you don't know your numbers, you don't know if you're making a profit. You don't know if you're losing money um, as fashion designers and as people that are creative, we tend to be focused on design, design, design. But at the end of the day, this is a business and you need to know how much your product is costing you down to every single nuance, like the pins on your hang tags, the labels, every single thing you have to do a costing analysis on and determine how much you're going to sell it for and how much of a profit you're going to make, if any. So it's really critically important that you understand some fundamental accounting principles. You don't have to be a CPA, but you definitely need to understand numbers. That's because otherwise you don't have a business. It's just a hobby. Um, and I know sometimes women tend to shy away from numbers and we get really passionate about what we're doing, but a business is about numbers and you need to understand what you're putting out and what you're bringing in. That's critically important. And then the last thing I would say is being flexible. You have to be able to pivot on a dime because you have to look at the needs of your market, understand your target population, let them speak to you and inform how you're going to run your business because they're your consumer. They're going to educate you about what they want, how much they're going to spend, what their preferences are, and you need to adapt and conform to that. If you don't do that, you're going to find yourself stuck. A lot of people will set out with a specific business idea that they want to um, execute on, and they find that the market is not that amenable to that, and they're so rigid and so focused on doing that that they miss out. I've been in business for 10 months now, and I've already had to pivot. When I look back at my business plan, my original business plan was to sell Islamic clothing to Muslim women, men, and children all over the world. Well, I've had to narrow that down to just the women because the women are the ones that are spending the money. And then within that population, a, sub, a subsegment of the population who is specifically focused on a certain type of clothing and has an income level that can support those purchases. So you have to listen to your target market. You have to be able to shift your focus and be able to be adaptable and flexible for your consumers because that will drive your success. Mm, golden nuggets in those tips that you shared with us. So let me just summarize them again for our listeners. The first one is to really do your research before starting a business. And I love what you said about narrowing your focus or your niche. You really have to niche down, really focus on the target market that you are serving and what problem are you solving for them. Second one, which is really important, uh, especially for us entrepreneurs who are creative people sometimes, 
the numbers, the business side of the business, that is the last thing that we want to do. But knowing your numbers, what you're putting in and putting out, really important. I mean, I am so blessed that my husband, this is her, his strength. And early on, I refused or I, I, I couldn't wrap my mind about it. When I realized, wow, when I started paying somebody, you know, I have to be really mindful about what's coming in and what's coming out because I have responsibilities now. I have the business to take care of as well. So really important to know your numbers, not just what's coming in and what's putting out, but what are you working on? Is it working or not? So that you know when to when to stop or to shift or to change. And I love what you said about number three, which is be willing to pivot according to your consumers. Really important to listen to them because they'll tell you what they want to buy. They'll tell you, they give you feedback. You, you can survey them. That is the best way to know what, and to deliver what they really want. So great tips here that Kim just shared with us. Let's take action on them today and I'll make sure to have them on our show notes. Lastly, Kim, share our listeners what's one big benefit that they can get with your product or your service, where they can get it, and what's the best way that our listeners can connect with you, and we'll end from there. Sure. So um, if you're looking for a beautifully designed, well-constructed, modest apparel, my company is Al Shams Exceptional Islamic Apparel. Uh, the biggest benefit that I think you would get from our company as opposed to our competitors is the quality and construction of our clothing. Because everybody knows you can take a high-resolution camera and make the least expensive well, not well quality clothing look really nice, but our clothing is really top notch. And we also manufacture domestically. And I'm very proud to say that, you know, our clothing is not produced on the backs of poor people in a country where they're getting paid a dollar a week and are suffering under poor conditions and um, are subject to, you know, maltreatment and other things. Our, our clothing is manufactured here in the United States in factories that are um, clean and well kept and the people are working and getting a fair wage and, you know, we can visit the factories and we know exactly what's going on and we feel proud of the clothing that we produce. And so if you're looking for well quality, well constructed, beautiful Islamic garments, Al Shams is your place. I can be reached at Kim at Shamswear.com and my company is Al Shams Exceptional Islamic Apparel. Right, so that's uh, they go to www.shamswear.com. You can also email or reach Kim at Kim at shamswear.com. And for our international audiences, because we have a lot of international audiences, how can they purchase this if they want to buy online, for example? Sure, so our, our, our online store supports um, various currencies, so they can shop at Al Shams, www.shamswear.com as well. All right, so there you go. For our international audiences, I know you are a lot of uh, out there that are listening. Go to shamsware.com and you can also purchase them online and be shipped to your destination. All right, Kim, thank you so much for being so generous in sharing your time, your inspiring story, your expertise, for being a role model to many, and for bringing such a positive energy with our listeners today. Women of the world, including me, appreciate you and wish you more success in business and in your life. Thank you so much, Rui. Thank you for having me. Thinking of starting a podcast? Seriously consider starting a podcast of your own, remembering that it will allow you to grow in ways you never imagined. It will grow your email list, your audience, your influence, and your bank account. Go to podcastprofitsystem.com to get started. That's www.podcastprofitsystem.com. 
Feeling inspired and empowered to make it happen? Then take the next step and go get your free guide to the top 10 resources that today's leading women use to stay at the top of their game, plus Marie's favorite today. Visit todaysleadingwomen.com slash guide for your free download, and we'll see you on the next episode of Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg.